powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome to Better Than Before. This is the CEO Leaders Podcast Show. I'm your host, Tony Richards, along with producer Bill. Hello. And we have one clear objective, to provide tools, information, and entertainment to make you better than before in business and in life. And of course, you can subscribe to our show at all the usual suspects. And uh, also, please, you know about that five-star rating we would like for you to give us so we can move up the podcast charts and more people can discover us and find us and become better than before. On the show today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the neuroplasticity of your brain and of your thinking. We'll have Amy Susan here, who's the Director of Communications and Marketing for Missouri Enterprise, and uh, a whole lot more. So it should be an action-packed show, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. If you uh, need a business advisor or an executive coach, I'd love to discuss working with you. Um, you can always contact me at Tony at clearvisiondevelopment.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 the number 4. Love to talk to you about coaching you, advising you, uh, working with your executive team, uh, or helping you scale your business or uh, make your business better. Um, we've outlined somewhere between 36 and 50 business challenges that business leaders face on an ongoing basis. And uh, we've also figured out solutions to those uh, numerous business challenges as well. So we can help advise you and uh, consult you on how to make your business better than before all you got to do is talk to us yeah we will help you so uh earlier this month the big controversy at the kentucky derby wow yeah i heard about that did you watch it i didn't watch it live i, I did watch the replay though yeah we saw it over at a friend's house so we had a little derby party and i posted some pictures on instagram of Anne marie the Kentucky Derby Jenga champion team player <laughs> with her um, derby outfit, hat and all. And, oh, cool. Uh, but we were all just sitting there in shock waiting for the decision, you know. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, maximum security got disqualified, and uh, the race was then awarded to Country House. And uh, first time in derby history in 146 years. Wow. And uh, here's the thing. Nobody was going to be happy. Right. I mean, somebody's going to get upset. Yes. Uh, and I guess the owner of uh, Maximum Security has now filed a lawsuit uh, to overturn that decision and get their derby trophy back. And Interesting. I mean, if you're the country house people, you're going to be upset that you feel you were interfered with. And if you're Maximum Security, you're going to be upset that you jerked the trophy away and nobody's going to be happy. Right. And the betters aren't going to be happy, right? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I wouldn't affect me. I picked improbable because I'm like, how can you not go with that name um, for the Derby, right? Improbable. Well, it's improbable. I'm taking it, you know, but uh, improbable came in, I don't know, six or seven or something like that. But I picked last year's winner, but uh, you know, that's, 
that's the sport of horse racing, right? Right. And, you know, another thing that's interesting, uh, we're going to talk a lot about technology and our visit with Amy coming up in a few minutes, but long after banks went to ATMs, uh, horse race betting has been very human. Have you have you been to many horse racing tracks? or Just a couple. It's been a while. A couple of years ago, I took a trip to Lexington, Kentucky on a uh, Chamber of Commerce trip. And part of the trip was to visit out to Keeneland, uh, where they race uh, almost every day during the racing season. And, you know, you have the betting window, sure. right, that you go yeah. to. Um, you got your racing form in your hand and you got all this hope and swagger going on and you swagger up to the window and place the bet with confidence, you know, with the person win place or show. I like to put, you know, this on improbable to show or this to place or this to win or whatever. But uh, I was reading some comments by somebody who they went to a Maryland racetrack to bet on the Derby. And um, there were a lot of computer consoles uh, rather than the human wager takers uh, and, and uh, throughout the track. Um, a bunch of the betting windows that had been there before in uh, the main grandstand, now they were just a big solid wall. They'd walled them off. Interesting. They're not using those anymore. They're using the self-serve bet kiosk mm. uh, to place the bet. And... Uh, you know, usually those windows would have human beings there taking bets, but now they still had a couple. It, it's like checking out at a grocery store or at Walmart, right? You got all these empty lanes where nobody's checking you out, or you can go over to the self-checkout and you see like 40 people in line at the one or two, right? So there were lines, I guess, at the human betting taking windows, so this spe just speeds up the process then? Uh, yeah. If you want to go that route, right? If you're uncomfortable with it, I guess you have to wait in line. And, you know, it's just another area of technology I hadn't thought about. But since the Derby was topical and, um, you know, I just happened to see a story uh, in one of the publications I read about this person's experience of uh, having to use the uh, self-serve horse race betting kiosk. Well, interesting. I, I bet it takes credit cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, every form of payment. Every form of payment in exchange for a ticket, which then you can bring back and scan after the racing results come in and you either get paid out or you don't or whatever. So Amy Suzanne is here and she's in the green room. We're inviting her into the studio uh, during this break. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted brand for four years running. The Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Do you apologize for your behavior? Are you constantly worrying about what others think about you or frequently criticize yourself? Self-esteem affects everything we do and is one of the key indicators of success in business. Tony's new self-esteem workshop will help you develop the tools necessary to empower you to overcome the pressure and unfamiliarity of professional and personal circumstances. 
Through Tony's guidance, you'll learn how to perceive threats and vulnerabilities to better prepare for challenging situations, resolve the baggage that keeps you back, and improve self-esteem when you need it most. Join us on May 28th for this one-day self-esteem workshop. Space is limited. Don't let low self-esteem hold you back from living the life you'd like to live. Register online now at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards. And today we have Amy Suzanne uh, joining us as a special guest. She has a Bachelor of Broadcast Journalism degree from the University of Missouri. She has a passion for telling the Made in Missouri story and celebrating the state's manufacturing community. Throughout her career, she has shared the stories of many Missouri manufacturers in several high-profile mediums, including Fortune Magazine, Forbes 30 Under 30, Area Business Development, Trade and Industry Magazine, Site Selection, Motor Trend, CNBC, and Auto Week. And with today's ever-changing communications tools, she champions Missouri Enterprises' social media accounts sharing news about Missouri manufacturing companies, tips on how to increase efficiency and productivity, latest state, national, and international developments that could impact manufacturing, and a bunch of helpful videos. Amy, I'm so glad you're with us today. Thank you. That was a mouthful. So I appreciate you uh, paying attention to every single part of my bio. I know we have more to cover, but thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to join you today. Yeah, when I get introduced at a speaking engagement and they read my bio, I'm like, I'm exhausted just hearing about it. (laughs) I feel like I just relived it all, (laughs) just all of a sudden. Now, um, you're Missouri homegrown, right? Tell me about your uh, upbringing, your background, and and that sort of thing. Sure. Well, I'm from St. Louis, so your next question would be, which high school did you go to, right? Right, That that is popular for the St. Louis uh, residents there. So I went to Pattonville High School. Uh, knew I had a passion for storytelling. I was one of the first pirate TV reporters. So every morning when you turn your television on in the school, if you're in your math classroom or shop classroom, you would see my face. And uh-huh. I got to interview the head football coach to the uh, biology teacher about what was happening. And I just, I loved meeting people and I loved learning the individual stories and everyone has one. Yeah, that's awesome. And then another thing I wanted to ask you that I didn't include when I was reading your bio is that- (laughs) You missed something? Well, I did. I missed a couple of things, but I I wanted to bring them up separately. I thought this was interesting. You taught English in China. So what's the story there? Well, so um, I wanted to be an international reporter. And to do that, you really need to get out of your comfort zone and you need to meet people that may not even speak your language. Mm. And that's exactly where I went. I went to Xi'an, China. Um, It is one of the oldest parts of the country and they have very limited opportunities to learn English. So I said, well, if I'm going to go anywhere, I'm going to go there. Um, I met, I think, the two people in the entire city that, could speak English. One of them was another English teacher that it was very difficult to understand his English. And the other one was a tour guide, of course. Mm. Um, Those were my two best friends. And that's how I figured out how to operate and work there. Um, But it was as soon as I landed, I found a little place that I thought was homey. Uh, It was a shopping mall. You didn't, I didn't have one that I like fashion, but that is uh, something that I, I loved uh, 
uh, looking at all the different clothing and where it's made. And so I would start collecting business cards and figuring out how to get to where I wanted to go. So I'd hand it to my taxi driver. And and then after a couple of weeks, I figured out that, hey, they're taking me 15 minutes outside of my uh, driving route. And so I would yell, Yogwe, Zogwe, Ichizo. And I could tell them right, left, straight. Right. Um, but it was such a neat, such a neat experience to um, go somewhere where you don't know anybody, you don't know the language, and figure it out. Was it as crowded puzzle. as I imagined? It or? is It is crowded. Um, in Xi'an, they do not have the limited family. Uh, regulation there so you can have as many children as you like um so it was it was definitely crowded a lot of smog I had a white coat that I brought with me by mistake I Uh would say and it came back yellow when I came home so that I no longer have that coat um but I would say more than anything it was meeting these um these children and these families that um unlike America where you can kind of earn your own stars based on how much, how hard you work, um, and how dedicated you are to education that you can earn your education as time goes on. You can earn scholarships, um, to pay for your school there. You have to start out where your family pays for you to go to school. And then when you go to secondary school or go to college, then that's where the government can help pay for it. So at first hand, you think, oh, wow, they can go to college for free, essentially. Well, you have to come from a family that can start paying for you to go to kindergarten or early elementary. Um, So I learned that they value education so much there. And these kids, rather than working on the farm or working in the factory, like possibly their neighbors or other kids that they knew, they were in school all day. And then they took my English class after school, being in school all day. And they were so excited to be there. I literally, when I left, had parents come to me crying um, and asking for their kids to translate to say thank you, Miss Amy, for teaching my children how to learn English. Yeah, that's awesome. And so all of this media background and, and all of this led you on this journey to eventually come to uh, Missouri Enterprise. And you mentioned you have a passion for storytelling. Uh, tell me the story of Missouri Enterprise, the mission, the purpose, everything it does. Sure. Well, every single state has a Missouri Enterprise. They may have different names, but they're all part of the Manufacturing Extension Partnership. Um, That is a dedicated advocate for manufacturing in every single state. Um, We are part, we are strategically aligned with the federal government, Department of Commerce, as well as the Missouri Department of Economic Development, and we work to support their goals and specifically support manufacturing in our respective states. Um, To do that, we attempt to address the many challenges that they have. How do we get to that root of the problem, uh, um, taking a holistic approach? For instance, workforce solutions. You mentioned millennials and workforce, and yes, I am very passionate, and it is something that we continue seeing as an issue. Um, When we go into manufacturing companies and say, what's the big thing you're working with or what's your major obstacle, and they all say, we can't find workers. And you hear that in every industry. You bet. But, of course, manufacturing is our focus. And we can't just go and grow people in our backyards and say, okay, well, in six months, give us six months and these people are going to be ready for you. (laughs) We'll send them in your way. Sure. You can't do that. Um, What we have to do is approach it, like I said, from multiple uh, areas and and avenues. And one thing that we really look at is leadership. Um, I know, again, that's not helping uh, right there directly. Um, It's not a quick fix, but what we find is that these millennials or even any worker between the first and four first days of their job, they'll find out if that's the right fit. 
Absolutely. Right then and there. So if you do not have a good mentorship program, if you do not set the expectations for that position, give them thorough guidance and instructions, they feel lost, overwhelmed already. And then you just leave them to it and expect something from them that they don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if you get ghosted and they just don't come back to work the next day. <laughs> it's like the first day of school. It is. Right? You're just trying to find the homeroom or the bathroom or Exactly. Or so so leadership is one thing. Another is um, using, like you said, cobots and robots. I know we're going to cover that, but um, how do we fill some of these jobs that no one wants anymore? Um, you know, I, I remember working with a manufacturer recently and he said, you know, Jan's been here for 30 years and she's retiring next month and she does the same thing every day for 30 years. How can I find a Jan? Yeah. And I said, you're not going to find a Jan to do that job because no one wants to do that same job. We may actually need two people for Jan. Exactly. But have you thought about pulling in a cobot or a robot? Um, something that can take the place of Jan for those jobs that are dirty or dangerous and no one wants to do. Now, for the benefit of our audience, and quite frankly, for my benefit, tell me what a cobot is. Sure. I love this question. So um, cobot is a collaborative robot. What that means is it's not in a cage. A robot um, is in a cage. You cannot work alongside it. If you accidentally grab a nut or bolt next to it or walk in front of it, it will continue moving, mm-hmm. whether you move out of the way or not. Now, a cobot will not. A cobot, you can work right next to it. I actually can show you a video of me programming a cobot in five seconds from an iPad to high five me. Oh, wow. So it touched me and it let go and was programmed to do point A, point B, and back again. Huh. So it's something that you can unplug from the wall. It's on its own table. You can move it around. So if you want it to do Jan's job, let's just say for two hours, and then it was more productive it doesn't have sick days it's not gossiping it's not it doesn't have does it talk back it it does not talk back (laughs) exactly um and and you can move it and then um hook it up again you know plug it in and then it could start working on other functions so it's a collaborative work a robot where it can work with others so how much penetration in today's workforce do cobots and robots have i would say um (laughs) I don't have the exact figures, but it's something I could share on a follow-up. However, I do know that we are lagging significantly behind other countries, such as ding, 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 China. I see. Um, I was recently with HTE uh, Technologies, which is a a, a company based in St. Louis that sells cobots and robot solutions. And the CEO said, Amy, I was in China not that long ago, and I walked into a manufacturing plant. You would never have guessed it was a manufacturing plant because it did not have any doors or hallways or walkways. It had tiny little, you know, two foot possibly high doorways for the cobots and robots to enter in and out. It was all done in the dark and it was all done by machines. Wow. Like doggy doors for automation. Exactly. Exactly. So we are definitely behind in that. Um, And it's something that we need to figure out how can we get these solutions in the hands of our Missouri manufacturers so they can compete now and in the future. I just want one that'll high five me, I think. Now you sold (laughs) me. Come in every morning. I named her Coco. She's going to come here actually uh, to Columbia, Missouri this summer. So maybe I can make that introduction. Coco. Well, that's that's cool. Um, so about millennials, let's just kind of go down that path. So, um, you hear that a lot, you know, I get, I get called a lot of times by organizations to come in and do a workshop or a seminar and about the different generations in the workforce. 
Um, and I noticed that you've written about that. How, how do you see that? Um, I know we've got the generation after the millennials that are coming up here pretty soon. So we, we have don't even to know how to handle that. We'll have to stop picking on the millennials <laughs> here pretty soon. Exactly. So. And that that's one thing I do try to challenge our, our manufacturers with when they oh, sigh and groan and roll their eyes when I tell them it's not the millennials that have to change you guys. It's, it's you. It's us. Right. Because they're not going to change. They don't have to. That's the thing that um, we have to realize as companies, employers, we need these workers. We cannot find workers. And not just manufacturing, but any kind of organization. And the the second thing to know is they don't need us, but we need them. Uh, These folks are not, their American dream is different than ours. Our American dream may have been to get a great job that we could pay for our children to go to school. We can have that house with a dog and a boat, maybe on the weekends and a lake house. Like that's the dream. Right. They don't want that. They want to live downtown near their home. They don't want to have a car. And if they do have a car, it needs to have the coolest tech ever. They don't want to necessarily own a home. So who knows what this is going to do to the real estate industry, all the vacant homes that may just sit there because our American dream is different than theirs. Right. So um, I'd say we really want to bridge that conversation and try to prepare manufacturers to know that those benefits even need to look different. Um, not to say healthcare isn't important, it absolutely is important, but um, if you say, hey, would you rather have dental care or would you rather have unlimited iPhone upgrades as part of your fringe benefit package? You may have some say, I want that tech every year, right? Right, right, sure. Uh, because mom and dad have made sure that brushing my teeth and taking care of myself has been a big priority in our household. And maybe I still live at home, so having certain perks or benefits to the job aren't as important to me. But coming in at 10 a.m. and working to 7 p.m., having a flexible schedule is important to me. I think it's about, like you said, I think it's about learning about the the mindset. What drives changes. them. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of conversations with CEOs and their, their, their favorite one is, you know, the millennials just aren't motivated. <laughs> right. And I've, I've, I'm always saying, you know what, I'm, I'm a on the edge of the baby boomers uh, to going over into the next generational label. And I worked for my grandfather and I don't think he thought I was very motivated at that (laughs) age either. You know, I mean, I think it's just a common thing is that we never think the younger people are as motivated as we are. Oh goodness. Yes. They just don't want to work. They don't want to work. And what we found um, when working with these millennials to bridge that gap and, and discuss with them, they, absolutely want to work hard it's just how to get them motivated it's it's a different different bag it absolutely is um gamification is a really big thing for them and i know uh, all you listeners out there that are on your phone and you hear that ding on your phone oh. that's just your phone gamifying you that it's, is brain it's candy exactly <laughs> so how can we use that philosophy to encourage them to work hard rather than saying here's this big project and you have a whole year to do it now, a baby boomer may take that apart upon themselves, come up with an outline and how we're going to do this step one and blah, 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 to get it there. And they will get it done. If you hand that to a millennial, they're going to wait to the very last minute to get that done, right? They will. They'll get it done, but they're going to kill themselves just about just to get it done. Now, if you say, here's what I want to do, you to do in fit step one, and here's the time you have to do it. Here's step two. And then step two, we're going to have 
necessarily a party, not necessarily everybody wins award, but just even something to recognize you. Here's the, here's the, the plant that you get. Here's a growing, here's a plant that we get to put on your desk or at your cubicle. And everyone knows that you are growing. You are doing better each and every time. Just something small as that to recognize them and giving them, um, again, one miniature project versus you have a whole year to do it. That works better. And I let me see if you agree with this because this thought just hit me. Um, when I was a younger person, I would gamify situations, but I think my generation did it mentally, where I think maybe this generation has to do it physically, where it needs to be external because we had to entertain ourselves. We didn't have some of the thing. We didn't have the cell phones and the smartphones and the, you know, I mean, I'm a product of Pong, you know, or Atari or what, when it first came out or Pac-Man. Um, but I think, you know, and especially if you were in athletics at all, which I was, you, you, your whole life kind of centered around games. Um, but I think millennials or younger generation that we have so, um, you know, it's just changed. The technology's changed, and I think it needs to be more external. With not, uh, and I put these words out there very softly, but a little reward and punishment sure. for playing the game, right? Exactly. Like the the little ding on your phone. Like I always say that when somebody gets a text and they hear that familiar sound, it's almost like their brain says, "Somebody loves me." Exactly. You, you know, or someone s- cares. Somebody wants to communicate. I'm alive. Someone knows I'm here listening. <laughs> so that leads me down the path of um, just talking about uh, growing in an organization and e- excelling and getting promoted. Um, you know, I get asked a lot of times about succession planning in companies. If you're a young, assertive manager today, uh, and you want to get to the executive level, what do you see in the world of work that you're doing that they should focus on or what skills should they focus on uh, obtaining? Sure. I think one of the, the unfortunately, one of the, the characteristics that continues to dwindle from what we're seeing is, is really embodying that visionary role. How can you be a big picture thinker? How can you be, if you're a sports analogy, the playmaker? How can you do that? Um, it's not just about, I worked overtime 20 hours this week or whatnot, and I want to make sure my boss knows it. I mean, that's great, but it's not going to last very long. You can only do that for so long before you get completely burnt out. But what are those, some of those big picture playmaking, um, roles or opportunities that you can come up with and be innovative? It's never going to come to your door. It's, your boss is never going to say, here's this, you look like you're not busy. Here you go. Take this and you could be promoted. No, it's, it's understanding, um, being in tune with what's happening in the company, with the news, finding opportunities of, hey, here's this idea I think we could really grow, and I'd be happy to take it on. I can do it. So being a big picture thinker, is, I think, is really important. It also shows that you can be a leader because those that micromanage are not leaders. Right. Let's just say that. If you're a micromanager and you cannot delegate, designate, and then give them expectations, you're not going to be a leader. Well, there's low trust level there. Exactly. Right? And so it causes all sorts of byproducts to happen that are not good when you don't trust. Correct. Right. Um, what about the events? I know you guys do a lot of events throughout the state. Um, so what are a few that you think would be really beneficial for our audience to investigate and maybe check out? Yeah. So, uh, we 
hammered on the, the millennial workforce, and that's really exciting. We continue to offer those throughout the state. Um, we talked about cobots and robots. Some other ones that we're going to be pushing are those, again, thought-provoking workshops. 3D printing, it's not something new anymore, but it's something you can actually afford and, and make a piece versus having GN do it, or maybe a cobot. You can you can have something um, that kind of takes that role. Um, Internet of Things, um, AI, uh, one, we'll have a workshop on that. But one other thing I'm really excited about is VR, virtual reality, and how it parlays into workforce training. Let's let's use this as an example. Um, I successfully recruited you. You're a millennial. Okay, right? I like the and sound I'm going to tell you that we are harnessing technology because that's another big thing. We are harnessing technology to help improve and continuously improve at our company. Um, so that be that should be a big ding ding for the for the millennial as a perk um, but I'm going to send you next week your own VR kit that I'm going to give you two weeks here's links I'm going to send you an email with all the different things the other these study guides that I want you to um, know how to do when you get here so it's training programmatic training where they can actually put the VR system on and maybe learn how to work as a uh, manufacturing machine. Maybe they learn how to do the QuickBooks. Maybe they have a better idea of what the exporting technology or or culture is. Whatever it is, um, they can take that time preparing for the job. And by the time they actually come to work that day, they know how to do it. And if they forget, send them back to the VR and go to the conference room and take 20 minutes. I mean, what does that do for a person's confidence level walking in the first day? Right. feels great. Exactly. So that's in all the time and, and money and expenses it, it um, away from the company. They don't have to have some that's training and, you know, mentoring. I, I want to I, if we have time to talk about that, I'd love to. Sure. Um, but to set aside all that cost and then turnover if it doesn't work out. So if you have someone going in there, like you said, confident, they understand expectations, they know how to work a machine or work whatever computer system that is. Wow. It's a game changer. So we're that's going to be one of our workshop offerings. Sure. Well, what do, what are your thoughts about the training then? Do you want to? Oh, about mentorship. Yeah. yeah so mentorship. one one um, I throw this concept out at you. I was really excited last week, and I was writing a, a blog post um, about millennials and some of the things that we're learning. Um, and it, and I came up with this friendorship. And then I looked it up, and it already exists. Darn it! I was really hoping that you know I could get that yacht and sail away. Um, I was on just the about weekends. to yell trademark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I'm not, and um, but uh, however, friendorship is a is a, another idea or a takeaway of mentorship. So one thing that we learned from these millennial um, workers is that when they come on the job, they don't want to be paired with someone that's maybe 30 years older than them or had worked there for 30 years. And just because it worked for that person for 30 years does not mean it's going to work for this millennial. So how can we find kind of that cheerleader, that ambassador? for the company that's in their generation that you think, hey, maybe we think these two will kick it off. They'll, they, maybe they'll become friends, so they'll be friend tours. So it's someone that can um, challenge them and this person's going to be challenged. So it's a, a that gamification. You bet. It's beautiful. Pulls it oh, all in. Just thinking right? that. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So they're going to accountability. Um, they are going to compete in a positive way. Um, they're going to recognize one another's successes. Right? And then they may want to go have coffee or go get cocktails afterwards. And you know how much harder it is for that new person um, to leave a job if another opportunity comes after they've had a friend tour or a mentor. Oh, it's in right? It's in a lot of Gallup polls. Exactly. You know, they have a best friend at work. You got it. One of the key questions. 
and those that say yes, you know, their retention levels are higher. You got it. Right. So that's that's another thing. You may not be able to offer them the moon and back as far as benefits or maybe income, but if you can say we have technology, we fully support a high quality of life and work here at this company that we establish friendships, that that's huge for them and it makes it less scary. They're confident going in and if they could see someone they can relate to and say, hey, if they can do it and they love it here, I think I can too. So as Director of Communications for Missouri Enterprise, what's your biggest goal for this year? Um, I would say just further establishing those partnerships. Um, We do a great job working with our local chambers, local economic development organizations, community colleges, but just really being seen as that partner in manufacturing and challenging our manufacturers. That's our big thing is you know, you guys cannot just face this, these challenges on your own. We want to be there. We want to have our finger in the pulse and we want to push you. We want to challenge you as you face your challenges. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is going to be thinking, well, ugh, I don't roll eye rolls. I get a lot of eye rolls and sighing, but at the end of the conversation, they say, we know we need to change. We know we have to, and, and we do, we all have to change together, but we're here with you. Well, while I have you here, um, just let me tap into your expertise just a little bit more in the communications and marketing area. Just for the benefit of our audience, what do you think works really well? Um, You mentioned storytelling. Uh, What what do you think really works well in spreading the message for someone in 2019? Um, From a company's perspective? Yeah. Sure. If you're utilizing social media, please, please, please do not forget that this this is social media. This isn't business media. If you want business media, read the business news or business journal. This is social media. So one thing that I would say, if you are a corporation or a business or even nonprofit, um, in order to connect with people, you have to connect with people. This is the people business. So um, you can um, find ways to tell your story, tell your client's story by featuring people and having people talk. they don't have to be scripted all the time. Right. And that's the journey I think is interesting is if you have this more candid conversation, that's what all the viral videos are about. They don't want to have someone at a news desk anymore perfectly reading the news. Um, they want someone, they want firsthand experience. They, they want to have that GoPro. They, and you can, you, you can harness those same types of tactics to tell your story by, um, you know, have, showing something being made. This, this other thing is, is kind of interesting to me, this whole satisfying. Have you heard that mm-hmm. before? Yeah. It's so satisfying. So I have a 13-year-old, and, I mean, she's in school all day, and then she gets on her phone, and she has her social media. And usually by the evening, after she's had piano or dance or whatever it is, she just wants to veg out watching these satisfying videos of bars of soap being, you know, cut up or smashed or bubble poppers being popped. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh And I think it's because they've become so desensitized from everything coming at them in so many different formats that they look for that calm, something calming and repetitive, that same thing. So this is, I, I've just kind of tested it, but um, I'll go into a manufacturing plant and if I see like stickers rolling off the roll or something being um, at, at a food manufacturing, those big vats being stirred up, and I'll just take 30 to 45 seconds of that on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It is, and I'll hashtag, is this satisfying? Right. How many people will watch that and click on it? I mean, we've had plenty of rain this year, but I will do thunderstorms and rain. I will do um, mm-hmm. the ocean right I, I just do it for myself sure. you know um yeah I, I, I think it, here I think it works <laughs> it, it 
works. Sometimes you have to use something external, right? If if your internal noise is to a certain level that you can't get it under control, you have to use something like a playlist of songs sure. or anything like that. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, anything else about Missouri Enterprise you want to share before I launch into my rapid fire questions? Oh, um, I think we covered it all. It's just um, we like to be a holistic problem solving body. So um, we have experts that have a combined 300 years of experience that they too were manufacturers themselves. So there's not a problem we haven't seen. And if there is, we're forcing ourselves to learn it. And that's why um, Industry 4.0 is here and um, we're all having to learn. But hopefully we can get there first or we can find a find a solution to help you wonderful so are you ready for some questions here rapid I'm fire i'm gonna try all right here's the first one what is the best memory that comes to mind for you immediately oh goodness um i would say dancing with my children on top of the kitchen counter that's what we love doing all the time on the weekends is there any particular thing you dance to or queen elton john you name it oh uh, all the music of my generation yes it's it's i have to say hands down one of the best musical generations uh did you see bohemian rhapsody of course yeah, good oh so good that was a good movie what's the number one or who is the number one hero in your life I, the good Lord is definitely my hero in my life. Okay. What is the top value you subscribe to? I would say courage to be yourself. Good. Um, what is the most, or who is, I keep getting my what's and who's, <laughs> uh, who's the most important person in your life? My, can I say people again? It would sure. be, it would be my family. Um, and my grandmother, I think that we can only be as wise as those that teach us things. Your and grandmother's so, name? Her name is Sandy Coldy. Wonderful. Um, what's your favorite thing in the whole world? Oh, gosh. Is it bad if I... You didn't say person. You said thing. Thing. Oh, lip gloss. Don't tell anybody. Okay. Any particular flavor or kind? <laughs> or? It's a color. Okay. Color? Pink. Pink. Pink the butter. All right. Favorite food? Oh, guacamole. We, we're right next to the best Mexican restaurant in town. My favorite is right there. Uh, most beautiful place you've ever visited? Cannes, Australia. And why? It's just, it's with the most beautiful flora and fauna come together. You can see great white sharks. You can see kangaroos, most deadliest snakes, which I didn't want to be around, but uh, beautiful coast. It's gorgeous. Wonderful. Uh, if you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? I'm going to go back again to um, being courageous to be a visionary, to solve problems um, with passion. Um, this is a legacy question, but how would you want to be remembered? Someone that get up, that got up every day and tried to make every day a better place. What is some advice you would give a young Amy? Some advice I'd give myself. Um, it's okay to say no sometimes. That's what I would say. What's your favorite sound? Hmm. Maybe my cat purring. Mm, okay. <laughs> And the best lesson you've learned? Oh, best lesson would be just never give up. So for someone who's listened to this interview today and they're thinking, wow, this... Um, Who this, is this person? Well, this organization has a lot to <laughs> offer me. Um, how can they find out more? Sure. You just visit MissouriEnterprise.org. Easy as that. Yep. And how do they uh, follow you? I mean, you write blogs, you're on Twitter, yeah. you're on all the social sure. media. So. Twitter is at Mo Enterprise. Facebook is at Missouri Enterprise. Um, LinkedIn, of course, Missouri Enterprise. 
So we've been visiting with Amy Suzanne. She is the Director of Communications and Marketing for Missouri Enterprise. Thank you so much for being a friend, and thanks for coming on today. It's been awesome. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Good. We'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted brand for four years running. The Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru, your locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. Great conversation with Amy Suzanne of uh, Missouri Enterprise. And today I want to talk to you about your brain changes according to what you feed it. So I work with a lot of clients and we do a lot of brain work. Sometimes they know we're doing brain work and sometimes they don't even know that we're doing brain work. And if they don't know we're doing it, it's because it's for their own good. And you know, one thing I want to point out to you, and it might not be anything that you've ever thought about, but your brain and your mind are two separate things. Your brain is a physical organ. It's a physical housing unit for your mind. Your brain is like the hard physical housing of a computer. And your mind is like the operating system and the database in the computer. And you'll squeeze into shape your mind based on what you allow into it and what you feed it, just like a computer. It only contains what you put into it, right? Well, your brain is different than a computer in that it's neuroplastic. It can change according to its surrounding environment. What you allow into your brain can change your thinking and the structure of your brain for good, and it can change it for bad. We don't live in a bubble. We live in a multifaceted, dynamic world, and each day we have thousands and thousands of messages and voices telling us what we should think, believe, say, do, and even want. The world tells us what life should be like and how we should spend our time, and it's really easy to give in to voices and allow them to take root in our thinking. It's springtime, and if you can think about your lawn and the outdoors at your house and your nicely prepared and manicured seed beds around the house with mulch and nice plants, and then all of a sudden one day you go out there and you see these wild weeds and unwanted growing vines springing up in your seed bed and your nice shrubbery. What's up with this, you say? Well, somewhere along the line, some seeds of some unwanted growing things have been allowed into your seed bed and now they've taken root. And if you don't get out there with your tools and you don't do some digging and some chopping and remove those things, 
they're going to keep growing until they take over your whole nice, well-manicured area. And it will, you know, choke your shrubs and your nice stuff. Same thing happens in your thinking. If you allow certain words and concepts to begin to take root in your thinking, before long, they're going to corrupt your whole operating system and things won't run right. Or at least they won't be as positive as they were before. Because it's easy to be squeezed into shape by whatever is the prevailing and popular stuff that's out there today hitting you with all these messages and voices. Fortunately, we have the power to choose our own thoughts and with that, we can say no to those voices and messages. We have the power to say, that's not who I am, or that's not who I want to be, or that doesn't fit with my thinking. We have the ability as human beings to choose what will determine the direction of our lives. The more you and I focus on a problem, the bigger and more intense the problem gets. If we don't get a grip on our focus, if we don't get a grip on our emotions, the bigger our mind will make it until it gets way out of proportion. Our mind and our focus amplify things. It operates like a microscope or a telescope. It magnifies it. It brings it into bigger, bigger focus. Even if you're facing a real crisis, you have the power to get it under control using your thinking. And then what controls your thinking? What you feed into it. If you allow your mind and your emotions to have their own way, they will play out the worst case scenario over and over and over in your mind until it becomes like a living reality to you. Feed your brain and your mind on how you're going to respond to any negative situations that spring up in your seedbed. These thoughts are manageable at the beginning. You can take out your mental shovel and your mental pruning hooks, and you can remove it fairly easily. But just like the weeds and vines in your seed bed, if they, get, if they take root and they take hold of your healthy uh, plants and shrubbery, it's going to choke it to death. And then all of a sudden you're going to have uh, growth there that you don't want to be there. The best thing to do is not allow it to take root and then take over. That's our show today. We're brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Make sure to give us that five-star rating. We'd be very appreciative and you'd be helpful to our show and, and help us uh, be more discoverable in search engines and when people are looking for uh, information and uh, tools and tips to make them better than before, you will have contributed by giving us that five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and also at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards. And don't you forget, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. And everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.